So it's that time of the year again already. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but my wife counts down the days till Christmas. And so uh, we are looking forward to that already, but we need to get ready for this shoebox ministry. We've done it every year. I see Miss D. Klein down here who's coordinated that. We have our display table. And the this is where it's tough being the second hour attenders because uh, we had shoe boxes out there in case you wanted to grab one. Last time I looked, there were none, Miss D. So if you want to come by my house, I have some in my closet. I'll be glad to give you some shoe boxes out of my closet. Uh, maybe that's not a good idea, actually, because Sherry has not given me permission. I'm looking for Sherry to see if I get the green light. No. <laughs> Don't come by today. I'll bring them here. How about that? Uh, I'm just teasing. Well, I love that we've been able to show you just a glimpse of just some of the things that you're doing, that you're giving to, that you're asked to be a part of, that it's the mission that we're a part of here. When I think of mission, I think about this, and I know it sounds like a strange thing, but I'll connect the dots in just a moment. I think about how much I hate losing things. I don't know if you've ever experienced losing something that you desperately wanted to find and what you've done afterwards when you've lost that something. Have you ever turned your house completely upside down? I mean, you're pulling things out of rooms, you're dumping out your purse or your wallet, and you're going through your glove compartment, you're just trying to find this thing you've lost. I did that once, and all I was looking for was a cardboard box it was about this big. It was a piece of equipment I had purchased, and it had this little optional part to it. And I remember very vividly in my mind taking that box and saying, you know what, I want to remember where this is, so I'm going to stick it under my bed. And so months later, I go to look for it under the bed, and it was not there. And it drove me crazy. I spent probably hours going through all parts of my bedroom because I figured if, I'd, if it's not under the bed, I must have moved it. Where did I move it? It must be somewhere else in this room. I looked high and low for this cardboard box that has this piece of little part in it. And I wasn't even sure I wanted to use it. I just wanted to see it again so that I could decide if I wanted to use it or not. But the fact that I couldn't find it ached at me. I like, couldn't rest. Eventually, I had to wave the white flag and just say you got to let it go, man. You can't find the box. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's probably been thrown away. And so I finally got, was able to calm myself down, go to sleep, and not worry about it. Months later, I'm cleaning out a closet in one of our spare rooms. And behold, there's the box. On the very bottom and the very back of the closet, where everything goes that's lost anyway, I'm pretty sure. And as it turns out, I didn't need it anymore, so I threw it away. And it's like, I wasted all those hours for nothing. Now, I couldn't imagine if it was my wallet, or my keys, or my wedding ring, or something of great value. But what I've come to understand is if there's something that we value that we lose, typically speaking, we will not rest till we find it. It will eat at us. And the more valuable it is, the more urgent it becomes. I remember uh, my wife lost her car keys. It was after Bible school, I believe, in, in one summer. And could not find those car keys. That's pretty valuable because you're not going anywhere unless you find those keys. And by the way, it's the only key that we had at that time for her van. So this was desperation. The last place she had them was right there with her at Wendy's. They dug through trash at Wendy's. I don't know how long that took, but eventually we found out uh, a friend, uh, Marissa Kidd, who had been eating there, she had left from lunch quicker than the rest of them and had accidentally grabbed her keys. And we found out later 
after a lot of trash had been dug through, you know. But that's friendship, you know. You, you're willing to do that. Uh, but losing something is, may put you in a place where you won't rest till you find it, if it's valuable to you. The reason I'm setting you up, I'm, teeing, I'm putting the ball on the tee for you here because I want you to see and understand that God is exactly the same way. Something that is of value to him that is lost. He will not rest till it is found. And the Bible says, and I believe this book to be true from front to back, true and authoritative in our lives. If we believe it to be true, it tells us that every single one of us in this room is either currently lost, or at least at some point has been lost. It says it like this in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word for sinner is harmatoloi. And it's a, it's a word that means we have all missed the mark. We have all failed. We've all made a mistake. We've all been imperfect in some way. Compared to the glory of God, we have not met that mark. And it includes every single one of us. But you know what? I am here standing before you today because specific people saw it as their mission to come find me. They saw it as their calling to come bring me to God. I think of J.R. Williams. He was a shoe cobbler in Cumberland where I grew up. Shoe cobbler. You ever heard of that? This guy, you could bring your shoes and he'd fix your shoes. I was having a conversation earlier today. Uh, we actually had a, a bunch of balloons that were given away to the kids. By the way, I'll pause for just a moment. You, you might be distracted. I did say there were three surprises today. The third surprise is you get to take a coffee mug home with you that has our new logo on it. So everybody here, you can take one of those home. That's your third surprise. Now you can actually pay attention to the sermon, right? You're wondering about that. But we gave, we prepared for the children a, a an orange balloon with the new logo on it that they can take home today that's got helium in it and we were for whatever reason the guys that we were doing this together were talking about how it seems like in, in our area whatever's current doesn't get here till later in the greater Cincinnati area and I'm like you kidding me I'm from Harlan County where mullets are still alive and well you know <laughs> Uh, that's where I'm from. We still have shoe cobblers, you know. I don't know if we do now, but we did when I was there. And J.R. Williams, he was my very first Sunday school teacher and the first one to tell me who Jesus was and what he did for me. I think of Larry Toner and Roy Hodson. They would drive from Bledsoe to Benham all to come meet with me and a little blonde-headed girl named Melody Dixon and we would recite five memory verses to them once a month and by doing that, I get to go to summer camp for free for one week that summer. And if I didn't know the verse real well, they'd feed me the words. So that I would still get the verses right. So that I could go hear the gospel at Camp Nathaniel. I think of my grandmother, Carrie Boggs, who made sure every single time we walked into her house, we heard the name of Jesus. I think of Brad Hall. I graduated high school with him. He invited me to come to church with him. I think of Eddie Banks. He friended me the summer that I gave my life to Jesus. He friended me before I did that. He was already there. He was already a friend of God's and I wasn't yet. And I'm so thankful that he friended me even though I was not a friend of God's quite yet. I thank God that he sent someone to come after me. 
I would not be here today if it were not for that. And friends, that's why you're still here. If you have been found by God, you are now a part of, or you're being asked to be a part of, His search and rescue team. And to make it very plain to you, Jesus teaches this very vividly in Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the first 10 verses together. And this is great. This is, he actually begins a series of parables that he teaches. And a parable is actually taking some kind of earthly object or earthly scenario, something that you can see and experience and understand, and conveying a very eternal truth with that story. And Jesus was great at it. Of course he was. He was God. But he was powerful in teaching through parables. And we're only going to look at the first two. They're very, very, very short. But before chapter 15, he's been doing other teaching to people who had gathered around him. He was hanging out at banquets, at religious leaders' homes. He was teaching about what it means to be a disciple. And then we come to Luke 15 in verse 1. And here's what it says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. There's that hamartaloi word again, sinners. Those who aren't perfect enough to meet the glory of God. Those who have failed. Those who have made mistakes. Those who have skeletons in their closet. That's all of us at some point. And it says here, now the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around to hear Jesus. Here's how they felt about tax collectors back in that day. They got their own category. Sinner kind of covers it all, right? But they're like, not just the sinners, the tax collectors. The ones that were the poster children for sinners. The ones that it was okay to hate them. That's how bad of sinners they were. It was religiously taught to hate them. The tax collectors and sinners. So they gather around to hear Jesus. Okay, fair enough. They've gathered to hear Jesus. Then verse 2 it says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This was not them pointing out how great Jesus was in their eyes. They were offended. They thought it was bad. And they even thought it was proof that Jesus couldn't be who he says he was. Or he would know who was gathering around. And he would push away from those sinners. He wouldn't hang out with sinners. He wouldn't hang out with those people. And that shows you how the Pharisees and teachers of law, the most religious people of that day, the most respected people, they had the law. They had the Holy Scriptures at their disposal. And they did not get it. And I love this next verse, verse 3. This is a great verse to memorize, especially if, you know, you are going to get something free from memorizing a Bible verse. This is perfect. It's just six words. Then Jesus told them this parable. And I believe why that's just powerfully one verse there is it bridges the gap between those first two verses and what you're about to hear Jesus say. It's just as important that you understand why Jesus taught these two parables as it is to hear the truth in those parables. It's important that you get that. So let's read that together. Let's see what, the, what he teaches. Verse 3, Then Jesus told them this parable. 4, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in, in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. 
I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Verse 8, or, here's the second parable, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Now, before you judge her, like, I've seen people look at a penny down on the ground and say, eh, do I really want to bend over to pick up that penny? I'll just leave it there. We'll pass by pennies. One coin was worth ten days wages. So, a coin was kind of a big deal. So, suppose a woman has ten silver coins, excuse me, I said ten days wages, probably a day's wage. So suppose she has ten of those and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Listen. I want to go back to those first two verses. Why did he teach this? This is why he taught this. If we don't understand God's mission, we will get mad at what makes him glad. Do you see the disconnect there? Jesus tells these parables about all this rejoicing over finding lost things. And he tells it all because he has a group of people who are supposed to understand God better than anyone else who are doing this to Jesus. Look at that guy. Hanging out with tax collectors. Hanging out with sinners. How dare him. He can't be who he says he is. All the while, the angels in heaven are cheering and rejoicing. While sinners and tax collectors choose to follow Jesus and have their lives transformed. Friends, I don't want to be like a Pharisee. I don't want to be like a Sadducee. Because that makes you sad, you see. I don't want to be like that. But any one of us in this very room could absolutely be just like them. All it takes is us losing sight of what God's all about. What is his mission? What is his win? What is his end game? What is his finish line? Why is he not come back yet? We're going to actually talk about that in our next sermon series starting next week. The king is coming. Talking about Jesus coming back. That's a real thing. That really is going to happen. A lot of people go crazy about that. Some people try to set a date for it. And we're going to talk about all that stuff. But that is so true. But why hasn't he come back yet? It's because of this. He is intently flipping the world upside down trying to find that which is lost so that it might be found. Just like we tear our house up to find that pair of, or that set of keys or that pair of earrings or the wallet or whatever it is we have put great value on. We will flip the house upside down to find it. Don't you know that when God looks at the souls who don't even know He exists yet and especially haven't begun to follow Him yet that He wants to do absolutely whatever it takes to reach them. That's what He's about. And if we don't understand that we'll get mad at what makes God glad. I don't want that. Do you want that? Do you want to be sulking over something that God is cheering about? I do not want that whatsoever. For those of you who have been a part of Hickory Grove for many years, I could probably say you've seen a lot of stuff in your time here. If you've been here several decades, you would remember our former pastor, Colburn Hooten. 
He served here as pastor for over 32 years. And in his time here, we saw many lost become found. And we owe a debt for his service because to this very day, He Could Grow Baptist Church has a heritage of wanting to reach its community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I felt it from the day I came here. I came here in May of 1998 at the time our pastor was Todd Toole. He invited this team of big, strong, muscular guys called the Power Team to come in this very room. They broke bricks and they blew up hot water bottles like they were balloons and busted them. They had flames shooting up. It was crazy. And we did all of that because we saw lost become found. People came to Christ because of that. Over a decade ago, our pastor Will Langford led our church to make strategic moves such as having dual worship hours, modernizing our worship service, launching small groups, and many other things. And why did we do all of that? To see lost become found. You got this guy comes along six years ago. We've rearranged our budget and our church schedule to do more local and non-local missions. We have strategically repurposed and remodeled spaces and rooms. We've replaced our pews with chairs and now we got a new logo. Why in the world would we do all this stuff? Because we want to see lost become found. And we will do absolutely whatever it takes to do it. I get to meet a lot of pastors and denominational leaders and hear stories of what's happening in other churches. The one thing I could say, you'll be hard-pressed to find another 215-year-old Baptist church that is willing to go through those kinds of changes over the years, over the decades, in order to reach its community for Christ. You are part of something that is rare and different and unique as any other church our age is in rapid decline. Even at the, on the precipice of having closed their very doors permanently. So God's on the move here. I'm so glad to be a part of it. And I know changes that have happened all the way from Colbert Hooten all the way to today, those changes aren't always easy. They can be difficult. But I'm here to tell you, on my watch, there won't be a single change that happens unless it helps us succeed at one thing and one thing alone. To seek and to save that which is lost. You are the search and rescue team. We need to join it together. And when you look at these two parables, it ends the same way. It says in verse 7, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He says it again in verse 10. Why is this important? You need to know this about God. God's greatest celebrations are reserved for one person taking their first step with Jesus. His greatest celebrations are reserved for that. That's when the confetti falls in heaven. That's when things get loud and rowdy in heaven. Is when one person takes their first step with Jesus Christ. I love being able to do that. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege and the honor of sitting knee to knee with someone and actually witnessing them cross over from death to life. Hearing them pray the best way they know how. Jesus, forgive me of my sins and save my life. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but in the seat that I get to sit in, I've got to witness it 
so many times, but I'm here to tell you, it never gets old. It is a powerful thing to experience. And I love being able to go to Luke 15.10 and say, guess what just happened? You didn't see it. You didn't hear it. But there was an explosion of cheers in heaven because what you just did. Because this is what God is all about. So friends, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Are you one of the 99? Or are you the one? Now, if you are the one today, being honest to yourself and before God, that I am still lost, thank you for being here today. God wanted you to be here today. He's been pursuing you. He's been seeking you. He's been flipping Northern Kentucky upside down to get to you for this moment and this time for you to finally stop and turn around and see that He's right there waiting for you to say, Jesus, take me. I believe in you. I want to be yours now. I'm glad you're here if that's you. Because... That's why he's not come back yet. That's why this building was built in the first place. That's why we exist. For you to be here to hear this good news and to accept it. And if you're part of the 99, I'm glad you're here too. Because guess what? We're here for that one. If you've been found, you're immediately been admitted to the search and rescue team. Don't have to wait for that. Don't have to be trained for that. It's who you are. You are now part of that team. That's what God wants you to do is to join the search and rescue mission here in Independence in Northern Kentucky and to the ends of the earth. And I'm here to tell you, I believe this with all my heart. If you don't join the search and rescue team, if you don't get that mission embedded in your heart, embedded in your mind, eventually you'll be miserable. Like a Pharisee. Like a Sadducee. And I don't want that. Listen. This is awesome. I need you to hear this loudly and clearly today. This is the big last thing I want you to understand. All of heaven is waiting to explode with cheers. But it's up to you and me to give them something to cheer about. We've got to leave the 99 and go to the 1 We've got to intently seek the loss. We've got to be a part of the search and rescue team. And let me just pause for a moment. I want to make sure you hear this too. Because it's easy in your mind to maybe oversimplify this and begin to say, okay, I see what this is. This is 99 versus the 1. This is Jesus versus the Pharisees. And I want you to destroy that line of thinking. That's not what this is about at all. If you start following that thinking, you may think, well, then we don't give a care at all about the 99, those who have already been found in Jesus. No, nothing could be further from the truth. We are to care for one another, but we're also to hold each other accountable to be a part of the mission of God. It's not the 99 versus the one. It's the 99 together saying, yay, let's go get the one. That's what it is. And it's not Jesus versus the Pharisees. There were Pharisees who came to follow Jesus even in the day that he walked the earth. He cared for them. He loved them. They just needed sometimes a Jesus smackdown, like we all do sometimes. He reserved some of his harshest words for them for a reason. Because sometimes the thickest goal to get through is the religious goals. <laughs> and mine is one of them. 
He's got to knock on my skull sometimes too. But don't hear that it's Jesus versus the Pharisees or the 99 versus the 1. You know what it is? It's us with Jesus versus lostness. Of which is 85% prevalent in this city, in this county, where you live. And I don't know about you. I don't want anybody else from any other city, state, or country sending a missionary here. This is my mission field. This is your mission field. We are going to bring that percentage down if we accept his mission. That's why we're doing an Easter egg hunt next April for the entire city of Independence. That's why we paint fire hydrants for our first responders. That's why we put together shoe boxes and send them all over the country, all over the world. That's why we support missionaries like Nate Salee and Daniel Ziegler who are taking the gospel all over northern Kentucky and to the ends of the earth. That's why we remodel. That's why we rebrand. That's why we're here today. And it's why Jesus is not here yet. Because we've got something to do. They're still lost who need to be found. And if not you, who's going to go after them? I want to be someone else's next J.R. Williams, Larry Toner, Roy Hodson, Carrie Boggs, Brad Hall, Eddie Banks. I want to be that for someone else. That's why God still has us here. How about you? We always end this time with talking about our next steps to take. I've just got two to suggest to you. If you're here today and you count yourself like the one, then here's your next step. Stop. Turn around and be found by Jesus. Stop going the direction you're going and stop right here, right now in this place and turn around and see that you have a Savior, God Himself, who's been pursuing you. He wanted you here today. In a moment when I pray, you can pray right where you are and say, Jesus, save me and forgive me and come into my life and take my life. If you do that today, all of heaven will cheer for you. And we will too. But if you are no longer one of the lost, you've taken that first step of faith in Christ, then your next step is very simple. Join the search and rescue team. Be a part of the mission. Don't be mad about what makes God glad. Remember that all the other stuff that might sort of wrestle for your attention, wrestle for your time, and there's a lot that does that. Everything boils down to this one thing and one thing alone. There's going to come a time when Jesus comes back. Until that time comes, I'm hoping to take as many people with me to heaven as I can. How about you? Will you join the search and rescue mission as well? Last service, we had someone who is 87 years old recommit her life to Christ. Recommit her life to the mission. I don't care where you are, where you've been. I told her, I said, then I need to get saved if you need to get rededicated. It's Miss Ada Bush, if you know who Ada is. I'm here to tell you, we all need recalibrated to this mission. I don't care what age you are, where you've been. Will you join with me in winning the lost in Independence, in Kenton County, in Northern Kentucky, and the world?